0: Well, hello there, everybody. This is episode 94 at Streets and Eats. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Vietnam World Heritage Sites and, of course, the coffees you should drink while you're there.
1: (laughs) A good coffee pairing. We always need to know.
0: Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure.
1: All right. So, but let's start out with a question. I'll ask the question first. Um, I think that this is pretty easy but you never know. And I definitely think this is something we experienced over and over again. So it's very much dear to my heart. Um, we know what the most popular way to get around Vietnam is. Sure. Motorbike. Motorbike. But what are the laws? Like when we were driving around, (laughs) we weren't sure if there were any laws, right? (laughs) But there are. That's why I'm laughing. There are laws. For example, what is the maximum number of people who can ride on a motorbike?
0: Ooh, there's a law for that.
1: There is a law for that. And if you think about it, there are plenty of people who can ride at a time. Yeah. Physically.
0: Yeah. I've seen them get quite a few people on a motorbike.
1: I think the most I've ever seen is maybe five.
0: I'm going to take a stab at it, though, because... I think typically what you're going to find is a couple and a child. So I'm going to say three.
1: And you would be wrong.
0: (laughs) No, it's probably two.
1: It is two, which makes a sense. That's probably what it is in the majority of the world. Right. Right.
0: And that's, Common sense tells you, you really shouldn't put more than two people on a motorbike.
1: Well, and they do. And we know this for a fact. But the, motor- the whole motorcycle, motorbike culture in Vietnam is just one of those things that you can't get, a, you know, get enough of, can you? It's
0: pretty amazing.
1: I, I think it is, too. I think one of the things that I always think of, I mean, it pops into my head every single time I'm talking about motorbikes, is that the ladies, when they're driving their motorbikes, they have a, I don't even know what it's called, but a special, almost like jacket, but it's not a jacket because it's, it's so hot fabric, there. It's yeah. not heavy fabric, but it's like a long dress that they put on to preserve their other clothes. Yeah. It makes total sense, and but it's just... Hilarious. Long dress
0: goes all the way to the ground. Long sleeves, and they usually wear gloves too.
1: Yeah, they're covered up.
0: The hood that comes like right up, tight around their face.
1: Yeah,
0: covered up. That seems way too hot for me, but I guess you're trying to protect your clothes. That's probably a smart thing to do. And actually, keeping out of the sun keeps you a lot cooler. And it seems like it's always a really light fabric, like a silk or something very breathable. So maybe it's not that hot, but it looks hot.
1: Well, but they're used to it as well. I mean, even after we were there for a few months, we got more used to the heat. Although I never get completely used to the heat. It's just not my thing. No way. All right. Well, get it into our podcast idea of the day. I wanted to do something on World Heritage Sites, because if you know anything about us, you know that we're always looking at World Heritage Sites. And when we're planning a trip, that's one of the things that we list out as the World Heritage Sites. And some places have more than others. Vietnam is not a place that has too many. It only has eight listed. And we still didn't make it to all of them. Nope. We did it.
0: <laughs> well, it, because it can be a hard country to travel into the outskirts, like some of them are a little difficult to get to.
1: Well, I think going back to motorbikes, going back to motorbikes, one of the best things you can do, if you have the, hmm, how do I say this delicately, (laughs) cojones, then you might want to rent a motorbike or even a lot of people, I think, buy them for if they're going to be there for a month because it's just that cheap. cheap. Um, and then you can ride a motorbike. And if you do that, you can pretty much get anywhere, although it's a nice long country. It's Mm going to take you a while to do so. But there were a few times when I think I would have liked to be able to have my own motorbike and go where I want to go instead of relying on grab drivers or tours or buses or trains or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine not riding the motorbike. We did try it in Quoc, And the guy was like,
0: no, no, <laughs> he, you can't have one of mine in some areas, unless you're a really experienced motorbike rider, you really should not be on the road on your own motorbike. Um, uh, but you can always like hire somebody for the day and ride on the back of it. We've done that a few times. Um, uh, but if it's the two of us, Unless there's a real reason why we want to be on motorbikes, like when we took that um, easy rider tour, for instance, in Dalat, A grab car is the way to go because it's air conditioned. It's going to be about the same price for two as it would be for two individuals on individual motorbikes. So why not? And if there's three of you, then it just makes even that much more sense.
1: And for the most part, I mean, I really love the grab in Vietnam and you can... For the most part, get anywhere and do just about anything. But we have run into times when they've refused to take us someplace true. and they said, oh, no, you will not get a car that goes down that road.
0: In fact, um, one of them was in one of the World Heritage Sites that we're going to be talking about today. Not actually at the site, but in the region. In the region. Because exactly. it is so remote.
1: Exactly. All righty. So, so where do you want to stop, start? Well, I think we should start at Hoi An. Okay. I think Hoi An is one of the most popular cities and well-known cities in all of Vietnam.
0: Definitely. It's and I for don't, tourism especially, yeah.
1: I don't think there's many people who go to Vietnam and figure out an itinerary and don't have Hoi An on their itinerary. We've actually been there twice because we've been to Vietnam, well, a few times. But Two main trips. And we went there. It was on our original itinerary. And then we went again um, these few years later. And it's changed a little bit, but it still holds that old world
0: charm. Well, yeah. The ancient town, of course, it's UNESCO. So it can't change much or they'll lose their UNESCO status, which is a good thing. That's why we really appreciate UNESCO World Heritage Sites. It hopefully will preserve the history and the culture. And they've done a pretty good job of that in Hawaiian. I really think so.
1: Well, Hoi An, along with Da Nang and Na Trang, is right smack in the center, well, central coast, I should say, not really in the center of right. Vietnam, central it's coast. on the coast um, of Vietnam. And it's it's just this beautiful yellow city that was a huge trading port back in from the 15th to the 19th century. And when you go there, it's on the river. It's on the, what's the name of the river? The Two The Two River, which I don't know if you need to remember that, but the river is the life of the city. Really and as you go down by the wharf, you see these beautiful wooden boats with the eyes and they're, a lot of them are turquoise colored and they're brightly painted. And as you're walking through the wharf, of course, they're going to tout to you saying, do you want to take a ride down the river? And you should, because it's really fun and there's, you know, it's just beautiful.
0: Yeah. Especially if you do it in the evening when the sun's going down and all the lanterns are coming out and they're putting the lanterns on the water and the whole area is just glowing with light it's beautiful
1: well we were there we were there at the beginning of june this past time and it was
0: packed it's crowded it's a popular place that's for darn sure
1: with both local and and foreign tourists alike. There's just tons of people there. And one of the the popular things to do is to make a wish and float your wish down Mm -hmm. the river in a lighted lantern type of vessel. And I have to say it is beautiful. It is beautiful. But the whole town is beautiful. Everywhere you go, you have these beautiful yellow buildings that have a unique style to them. And they have the beautiful tiled roofs. And almost all of them, especially in the downtown area, will have lanterns hanging. So one oh, of the yeah. things we did was we did a lantern lesson, and that was a lot of fun.:
0: Yeah, we built the the typical silk lantern from scratch. I mean, they everything.
1: taught us how to do it. They yeah. showed
0: us how to do it, and of course, they helped us as we were doing it, but fitting the little bamboo stringers in and shaping it and putting on the silk and all that stuff, we did all that. And they came out really quite nice, I think.
1: They came out nice. And I just think it's such an iconic thing that you see around the city so much. It is. It's a Um, great
0: souvenir to bring home from the to bring
1: home. Yeah. Um, it also, I mean, the wood framed houses are just stunning. And one of the things you do is you can buy at many of the little houses that you can tour. Um, you can buy a ticket for a combined ticket and you can go into X. I don't even remember how many houses, but I don't even think we went in as many houses as you could go into because it basically you'd be walking down the street. Here's this beautiful house. It has either. It's just a house by itself or it'll have like a little museum type right. of exhibit in it and you get to walk through them and see the gardens and see the old um antiquities and just whatever and it, it's kind of a nice way to get to know the town so and it's cheap and it's fun and you kind of do it
0: on your own and there's and a lot of them are old merchant houses and so these are merchants that were dealing with trade throughout Southeast Asia so they collected stuff from all over the place so a lot of the artifacts that you see in those houses are really kind of unique. You're not going to see them in a lot of other places unless you go to those countries and go to museums.
1: And one of the things I really liked about Hoi An is the the ancient feel of it. I mean, mm. it's a place where you know, you go down Ho Chi Minh and it feels like a city. Yeah, it's a city that's Vietnamese and it has a very Vietnamese character, but it's just a city. Um whereas you go in Hoi An and it feels I don't know, more traditional. It just feels like you're in a foreign country.
0: Yeah, that's right almost village-like, except that it's it's definitely a town. uh, And it was, I mean, it was a prosperous town with trade. So it has those, you know, that, that well-built grandiose style to the houses, even though a lot of the buildings, I don't think anything is really over two or three stories. No. So it's got a very low, low low-lying profile, which is really cool, especially when you get up on a rooftop cafe yeah, or something and you
1: can see which we did um one of the things that's it's famous for is the japanese bridge which is a gorgeous mm-hmm. pink colored bridge with you know the the corner dragons on it and everything. Unfortunately, the last time we were there, it was all scaffolded over and it looked like it was going to be that way. I think for the next five or 10 years, it was
0: pretty permanent scaffolding.
1: Yeah, but they did let us walk through it, but we're just thankful that we got to see it the first time we were there. And it is a beautiful bridge, but that was a little bit of a disappointment. I have to say
0: it, and you can still go through the inside. And of course that's pretty well preserved, but yeah, I mean, that the view of it from the outside is really striking. They've tried to do a good job of, on the scaffolding, putting up how, you know, they'll put like the mural that shows what it looks like, but it's still a mural on scaffolding. It's not the actual bridge, unfortunately.
1: One of the things people like to do when they go to Hoi An is, and you can do this all over Vietnam, but Hoi An is the place people go, is go to a tailor and get um, custom fitted clothes. And we did that the first time we were there. I got it coat you got a couple pairs of pants yeah, some i don't remember everything that we got but um we did it, been there done that so that's why we chose to do other things this time around and we didn't do it this time but it is a lot of fun it's it's kind of a fun activity and it is being a merchant being known for its it's economy and its you know is selling expertise it's it's one of the great places to do that now i wanted to pair coffees everywhere i I I go and I just thought it would be kind of cute. If you're going to be in one of these world heritage sites, this is the coffee you should have while you're there. And while we were at, well, one of the, my favorite things that we did when we were in Hoi An is we went to the reaching out tea house, which of course serves tea, but it also serves coffee.
0: Just like everything else, like with the fabric and a lot of other things in Hoi An, they made their claim to fame by trading Fabrics, silks, whatever. And of course, tea. So a tea house there is a natural thing to do.
1: Well, this tea house was super special because if you remember, do you remember it?
0: Oh, yeah. When we. It was it, a beautiful old merchant's house converted into a little. Tea cafe, tea It house. had a
1: nice little courtyard in the garden where we could, where we sat, actually. You could sit inside or outside. We sat outside. And remember, it was run by deaf people. Right. So it was
0: set up to give deaf people kind of a chance in the local economy. So they had a workshop where people were actively building things, uh, creating things, jewelry and other artwork. Uh, and of course, all the people, all the waitresses and waiters were deaf and everybody who worked there was deaf. So kind of a cool concept. It was this, very tranquil. <laughs> it was very quiet and tranquil.
1: Um, And you had, I had the tea because it was a tea house. So I thought, well, I'll go with the tea, but you went ahead and went for the coffee because when we were walking in, we saw somebody who had it. I have to say, it was hard to go with tea. <laughs> so, so Jim got the coffee and you got a straight up black drip on the fin coffee and that's it. Um, The Vietnamese coffee is made and all their coffee is made with what's called a fin. It's a P-H-I-N. And basically that is you put the coffee in, you pour the, the water on top of it, and then it seeps in drip by drip. And we have a whole article on coffees that you can look at, but this was the place because it was so traditional that just the plain old traditional thing coffee was what you got and it was gorgeous. And I think you loved it.
0: It was quite delicious. And it came with the most amazing little cookies. Do you remember those?
1: Ginger cookies. I do remember. How could I forget? I got some of those too with my tea. Really good. Anyway, so Hoi An, um, probably ranks up there as one of my favorite places. The last time we were there was a little bit more crowded than I would have liked, but we went in the height of tourist season. So what do we expect? Yeah. Um, I think if you go anytime we were there in June, if you go pretty much any other time of year, there wouldn't be quite as many people, but it's always really, really possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, popular. Yeah. I think I agree with you. It's pretty high up on my list as far as places in Vietnam go. And yeah, it probably would be higher if... Somehow we could figure out a timing where you could go there. And I I don't think you'd ever have the town to yourself or be sharing with only a few other people. But this last time, like you said, it was hard to walk around at night, especially. So that does detract from it. I would definitely keep that in mind if you're planning your trip to Vietnam. Uh, Look for shoulder shoulder seasons, off seasons. It's never...
1: The, the, it's never the a ta-
0: bad time to go to Vietnam as far as weather goes. Weather-wise. You might get wet, but you won't get cold or, well, you, you will get too hot if you go during the wrong time.
1: Well, it's always hot there. You're going to get too hot no matter hot. what. Okay, so that would, that's my first one I want to talk about. The second one I want to talk about blew me away. And we've also been here. Two times we went on our first trip and we went on our second trip. And that is, they call it in the world heritage site, the ensemble of monuments of way because way was an ancient capital Mm -hmm. of the country. And let me tell you, you can tell what a rich city.
0: Yeah. There's just so much there. And the perfume river runs right through the middle of the city. So all of those monuments, the Imperial city and palace, are right on the banks of the river. And of course everything grew up around the river. So, uh, it's just a cool place to go and walk along the river, explore the monuments. Um, the first time we went, we took the dragon boats, uh, up the river and visited some of the monuments further up the river that way outside of way. Um, That's a really cool thing to do too.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there's lots of different tours you can take. And I would have to say that by trying to plan all which monuments to go to, taking a tour isn't a bad idea because you just pick the tour and go for it instead of trying to figure out which ones you want to do. But they do have a combined ticket um before you go into the imperial city which is a major part everybody's going to go to that which is right in the center of the old town of way and it i think we spent i think we spent almost 3 hours there
0: on this last trip we definitely did even though it was a blazing hot day right uh, for some reason the first time we went i think it was in the middle of the rainy season and we opted more to spend time exploring the monuments further outside the city, up the river and whatnot. Um, So we didn't really spend that much time. But we did go. We did, yeah. We Um, just didn't see nearly as much as we saw on this trip. So this time we focused more on getting into the Citadel and just exploring it. And it is... Vast. Vast, sprawling. So many different areas. We probably even with all the hours that we spent in there still missed something. I'm oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you spent three hours wandering around an old site and I don't know about you, but that's about my limit, <laughs>
0: especially in the heat and the humidity. <laughs>
1: exactly. But I have to say one of the things that was really cool is that um, it is I, maybe the most popular thing for um, Vietnamese tourists to do as well because of its importance. And, Everybody, all the women, every single one of them had on uh, their traditional aodai that they wear. And I mean, the photos were just spectacular because the architecture is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There's beautiful colors. The gardens are so manicured. It's well taken care of. Um, it's easy to walk around. It's nice and flat, but it's just so rich in things to do and, and little buildings to go in. And and there's a water. Thing over here, and there's a wooden temple over here, and there's a I mean, I it's just it's almost overwhelming. There was so much it to do, it be
0: that's true, but yeah, it is a just a striking place for photography, for especially portrait photography, dressed up in colorful clothes. I think we probably spent time taking pictures and asking if we could take pictures of women in their Audi just because it, it is just so incredible.
1: Well, and the reason it was so popular, too, is because prior to 1945, it was the last royal dynasty and they poured all their money into it. So basically, the time frame was like 1802 to 1945. So it's not that old, but it, I mean, it feels old when you're in it, of course, but mm-hmm. it's not as old as some of the other things like the my son that we went to as well.
0: So going to the Citadel is almost... Always going to be the first thing that tourists are doing in way, uh, and there's a ticket stand right there at the entrance where you have to decide right up front what ticket do you want. There's a ticket to the citadel, which gets you into the grounds and the Forbidden City and all that stuff right there in way, uh, and then there are, I think, three other levels of tickets that include the citadel plus one, two, or three of the. Uh, tombs and mausoleums from the emperors that are further out. Uh, and that's what we did we, when we did the dragon boat, we went to a couple of the tombs that way. Uh, and this time we went ahead and got the four banger ticket where you get the engines to the Citadel and then three other of the tombs and mausoleums further out figuring while yes, we had seen some of them on the previous trip. There's no way you're going to see all of them unless you spend a week there. Um, so there's always room to see another temple, mausoleum, tomb, whatever.
1: And I thought um, all the ones that we went to, they were all a little bit different. That's right. Yeah. Um, but they all had, of course, a lot of similarities in the design and stuff like that. But they were beautiful and they were not busy.
0: No, that was kind of nice to get out there and really get away from the crowds. A lot more quiet, a little bit of solitude that you could just sit and and kind of think a little bit and just enjoy sitting in the shade and watching the few people that were going by.
1: I remember at one of them, I'm not sure which one it was, but we're wandering around and we're all thirsty and we decide we want to go in for a drink. So there's pretty much a cafe on at every one, you know, not really, I don't know if they're part of the site, but you know, naturally because they are tourist sites, they grow up right outside the gate or whatever. Right. Anyway, this one was inside the site, though. And we went in and it's open. The door's open and we go in there there's and there's nobody, nobody there. in there. And we're like, <laughs> what's going on? So we just sort of sit down and wait. We're patient. Who cares? We're not like we're in a rush or anything. And finally, we're like, we, we made noise. And
0: up pops this up lady. pops
1: his head about, what, 20 feet from yeah. us?
0: <laughs> She's been taking a nap.
1: Yeah, she took her, her noontime nap. I think she, she kind of looked at us with her tousled hair with this look of, why are you waking me up? So we, of course, ordered something. She was a little happier
0: at that point. She was. I think we had, then, and they had actually had a refrigerator with coconuts in it. So we had cold coconut water. Which is always coconut, good. Always good. Which is always a go-to in Vietnam when you're really hot and you're just looking to rehydrate.
1: But speaking of coffee pairings. Whey is one of my favorite coffees in the whole country. Oh, yeah. Because, and we found this out on the first day, right after we... We're finished with doing the Citadel. We kind of had the idea. We knew that the coffee boy where salt coffee was invented was not far from the Citadel. But this place is sprawling. So it was nice that we kind of figured it out ahead of time because we made sure to end up by the back gate, so to Mm -hmm. speak. I mean, there's a couple of back gates, but this one is basically across the wall. What was it? I think it was like a 10, not even a 10 minute walk, a five minute walk from the back gate, from the back
0: gate to the cafe. Mostly right along the outer moat, which was filled with lotus flowers and you can still walk around and see the walls. It's a nice walk.
1: So it was beautiful anyway. It was just, eh, it was just fine. And... I had been wanting to try salt coffee since we moved to Vietnam. I would heard about it. But it, it's not that hard. That's not that easy to find in Ho Chi Minh. Right. So it's I never tried really it there. Thing. It's more of a central, central Vietnam. And in Da Nang and Hoi An and all of those places, you can find it pretty ubiquitously because it is very popular. But we figured since we hadn't tried it yet, we might as well wait till we get to Wei. We got to Wei. It was the f- number one on our list of things to do. That's not... You know, world heritage sites, and uh, and we went over there, and it was packed. There were so many people there, but we did find a table. We sat down. They spoke English. They were very used to having all kinds of tourists from all over the world because it is such a popular place, and it was beautiful. I would love watching them make it over at their station, and then they brought it to us, and it was delicious. I I mean, it it may be my favorite Vietnamese coffee, even though I got to say. I've never had a Vietnamese coffee I didn't like.
0: No. (laughs) Uh, But I will say this about the cafe itself. We've talked about coffee cafes in Vietnam before. And while this was not in a big city uh, where you would find yourself walking down like a narrow alleyway between tall buildings, all grungy and thinking, how is there possibly a cafe at the end of this? It was very similar. The only indication that it was where we were looking was a small sign on the side of the, of the a brick fence in um, a little narrow gravel alleyway that looked like it led off to nowhere. But of course, it's a popular place. And there had been a couple of motorbikes going in and out with couples on them. So yep. you know there's something down there. Uh, so yeah, we walked down thinking, well, it's got to be it. There's a sign.
1: And there was. And, there and was. it was packed.
0: And it was a beautiful little garden area, covered terraces. And yeah, the coffee was amazing so really good, good. And, and it's just
1: what it says it's basically the co- uh, the coffee with milk with salt in it
0: yeah condensed milk of course so it's got sweetness already uh, and then i guess the way it originated was the wife or the new wife of the husband was supposed to make coffee for him and this one particular instance she put salt instead of sugar in it and found out it was delicious so it's stuck
1: and now i now there are people all over the country trying to emulate it when we were in ho chi minh i remember reading a post on facebook from this one girl who said i learned how to make salt coffee oh. come to my cafe so you can try it and and like i said in ho chi minh i hadn't really made it down there yet so she was probably one of the first which is impressive for a place that size but um but it's just it's just kind of funny it is very very popular
0: and really it worked out pretty good because the way we had done way on this trip was hiring a grab driver for the day and so even though he dropped us off at the other end of the citadel we didn't have to walk all the way back
1: to where a car was parked or whatever yeah our
0: coffee uh, because we just called him up and said or actually whatsapped him i think and said hey we're at this spot right here come and get us and he, and did. he did and then he took us off to the different uh we used him to take us the next day. The next day to the different mausoleums and the tombs. And it worked out really good.
1: I, which is which is kind of a Vietnamese tip. Oh yeah. When you go to a new place and you get a grab driver and you like that person and you have a plan for the next day, just go ahead and tell the guy we want to hire you for the day the next day. And and usually you can do that with no problem. Right.
0: And you don't do it through the grab app and you can exactly. usually save a little bit of money. And he makes more money that way too, even if he charged the same. As what the grab app does, because he doesn't have to pay commission. So, exactly. Little secret tip, even works. That even really works good. Like you said, when you're in a new place and you're not necessarily looking for someone for the whole day on your first trip, but what you do is you take a grab, like maybe to your to a cafe in the morning, and while you're in that grab, you're chatting to the driver, trying to decide if that's going to be a good fit for you. Does he speak good enough English? If you need it, uh, and if they do. Then you kind of spark up that conversation at that point. And then after they're done with your cafe, you have the contact details and then you can go from there. That works really good.
1: And it almost always works. We've only been turned down, I think twice. And Mm -hmm. those both times those were because someone else had already hired them because they were someone who spoke English pretty well and they had already hired them for the day. So it's a very common practice sort of under the table, but common nonetheless.
0: Yeah. And works really good. Most of Vietnam.
1: So in that same area of Hoi An and Hue is also the Mison Shrine. And Mison, we did not go to this time around because we went on the first trip that we were here. And quite frankly, it's a complex of ruins. Um, And so I didn't see any reason for us to do it twice. Yeah, right. I mean, you've done it. You've seen it. It was amazing. I would highly recommend everybody go to it, but I don't need to do it twice. There was with limited time on any visa, you want to make sure that you get the most out of what you're doing.
0: Well, and we were going to Natrang, which it's one of the places where um, one of those Cham temples can still be found in a much easier place to get to. Remember the three temples? Ponagar. Uh, Ponagar. Yeah, exactly. So we knew we were doing that this time. So it wasn't quite as critical that we get back out to Cham in or out to my um, zone, which, like you said, is pretty far out there and not that easy to get to. And it doesn't really change over the years. So not really a whole lot of reason to go back once you've been once. But really a stunning, sprawling complex of Cham temples with the tall towers and the bas-relief carvings all around them. Uh, very reminiscent, well, very strong Hindu
1: influence. influence.
0: Yeah. Um, so super cool stuff, super especially, old. especially I mean, out in the jungle. And yeah,
1: from the fourth to the 13th century, that's quite a long time.
0: Yeah. Some of the oldest things that you're going to find in Vietnam actually.
1: And basically you walk around this site, and there's lots of beautiful buildings and it's, it's really nice, but it's hot as heck because it <laughs> it's the middle of the jungle, but it is beautiful and it's impressive that with those type of conditions that the site hasn't been more eroded. I find that every time I see the Chom Towers anywhere, it's like wow, I can't believe how old these are. Yeah. So the Shrine Towers, um, they feature a lot of architectural designs, and really, it's supposed to be a what do you call it a you know a kind of like a, a, a giving to the Mount Meru, which is the mythical sacred mountain which is the cradle of the Hindu gods and mm-hmm. the center of the universe. And I have to say, when you see kind of like their gabled roofs with their bar relief of the, of the God's inside, the sky. You, you can see how that works um, towards that. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And that the brick and the stone that they use is like really a strong red color. Yeah. And it's really striking. And
1: it's just really beautiful. Well, it's not the easiest place to get to. Um, I think, I mean, it's very popular and it is a World Heritage Site. So it's not that it's that hard to get to either. But you can, of course, take a tour or you can tell your hotel you want to go there and they'll figure out a way for you to do it. You don't have to worry about it. Or like we do for pretty much everything in Vietnam is you can hire a grab and they will hang around and wait mm-hmm, for you. So it's really not a problem. Once you get to the area again, it's pretty flat, but there are lots, it's an ancient site. So there's lots of um, places that you could easily stumble. And if you're not a steady walker, um, they do have the opportunity for you to rent an electric buggy. You can go around that oh, way, yeah. which is not a bad idea mm-hmm. if, if you, if you tend to have trouble walking or if the, if the, is gonna get to you.
0: Yeah. And it's a pretty good distance between some of the sites. So it's not a bad idea.
1: So let's get to the coffee. The coffee. Which is my favorite part. Um, you've been tromping around May son. It's you're sweaty. You're, no matter where you're tromping around, you're gonna you're get gonna be sweaty hot in Vietnam. And, and okay, so th- that brings me to something that's important about coffee culture in Vietnam.
0: Which we probably it haven't took mentioned us a while.
1: Yet. It took us a while to figure this out. We would go to a cafe and a lot of times in Ho Chi Minh, you're in a pretty big, nice air-conditioned cafe, air conditioned cafe, and we just didn't really think about it. And we would order a coffee, and sometimes we would get a cold one, we'd be like, we didn't want a cold. Ask and we didn't cold. say we wanted cold. They're going to always give you cold unless you specify you want a hot. In this case, you want a cold
0: one. Yeah, in almost every case. The cold coffee is better than the hot coffee. Hot coffee is good too.
1: It's not that it's better; it's just just that you're in a hot climate, so it it feels better.
0: At some point in time, whether it's on your walk out to this a different site or heading back to the entrance, the electric buggy is going to look more and more tempting. So, what are you going to find at the electric buggy stop? A little cafe with coffee, and the best thing to get when you're there is just order a coffee. And if you just order a coffee in Vietnam, it's almost always going to be a coffee with condensed milk and ice.
1: Which is cafe sua.
0: Yeah. And it's delicious. Now, I I don't like to put a lot of sugar in my coffee. And you
1: don't need to with the condensed milk.
0: And you definitely don't need to add it when it's got the sweetened condensed milk already. If I'm drinking coffee, a lot of times I'll put milk in it, but I won't put sugar in it. But in Vietnam... You're going to get it with condensed milk. And uh, quite frankly, it's delicious. Go with the flow. <laughs> Enjoy that iced coffee. It is so good. And you know what? You can sit there in the shade, sip on your iced coffee, and watch one or two or three of the electric buggies go by and wait till like there's no line. And then just go out and easily walk aboard the next buggy that you can climb on and head back to the entrance.
1: It's all about the coffee. And it's just fun to sit in. And- Watch people anyway. Okay, so that's my son, and that's basically the middle of the the like I said, the middle of the coast, central Vietnam. Not far from there is in the bin min bin province, in a little bit more north, north, outside of a little bit closer to Hanoi. Yeah, is the Trung An la- landscape, and that is more of a natural. Uh, World Heritage Site than a cultural one, although there's plenty of culture there. Trust me. And what it is, is this huge, humongous, gorgeous, sprawling landscape of rice fields and karst mountains jutting out of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like really, really flat. And then you'll have like this pinnacle of of um, limestone.
0: Limestone mountain. Mountain. Just climbing into the sky. Huge. Straight up.
1: And they're all over and they're almost like they were dropped from outer space and speckled around. It's true. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Little
0: waterways that kind of weave their way around all the mountains and through the fields. And, uh, it's just a beautiful area.
1: And so when you're there, you can take a boat ride on the Trung on part of it. And then there's a, another boat ride on the Tom Kok part of it. And then there's a few other things to do in the area as well. Um,
0: a lot of people will pick one or the other. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, what, what do you need to take a little boat Twice. around different the two Two in two days mountains. like we did. <laughs> yeah. What's the point of that? But what we found was there is a very different. good reason to take yeah. both rides. They're different. Uh, it's all stunning, beautiful landscape. Um, Yeah. If you got There's the There's no other way
1: to do it. You can't. That's I mean, right. be sure, you can take a ride around and you'll see some of it, but you're not going to get the full experience no unless way. you're right in the middle of the, of the boat. And we were there during a rice harvest. That's so right. So a lot of the boats that were on the river with us were collecting their rice stalks and putting them in the boat and they were piled high.
0: It was a good time to be there.
1: It was really cool. And the other thing that was in season were the lotus flowers. Mm -hmm. So there were lotus fields everywhere. I mean, it was just, so here's, here's when you have to kind of weigh, yeah, it's popular tourist season, but for a reason. I mean, you've got lotus bloom and you've got the rice harvest and you've got just gorgeous sunsets and a beautiful area. Yes, there were a lot of people at both places at Tom Cook and Trangon. Um, But you know what? We loved it. And you're only in a small boat with one time we were had only three other people with us. And another time we only had uh, two other people with us. So it wasn't, it's not like you're fighting tens of people in the boats. Yeah. Is that right?
0: I think it. Tom Cook, wasn't it just the two of us?
1: No, we never, I don't think we only had us at all. Did we?
0: No, I was thinking it was just the two of us. It's just a mean, smaller I don't boat. remember.
1: I don't remember being worried about it either. No,
0: they're not big boats. These are tiny little boats with one person in the back handling the oars. In Trong An, they're just rowing like regular rowing. But at Tom Coke, they're using their feet
1: a lot of times to
0: paddle. A lot of them will do that, which is pretty cool.
1: So the first day we went to the Trong An one. And <laughs> okay, so both Tom Coke and Trong An have that whole Disney esque feel where right. you know, you're kind of. Go and buy your tickets, and then you have to go, and then f- someone finds you a but bo- I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just <laughs> kind of one of those tourist experiences that make you feel like you got to go through the maze number.
0: line and yeah. all that stuff.
1: Um, but they had good food at both places good coffees, good drinks, good juices, um, lots of things in the area to see and buy, souvenirs and stuff. And um, the ro- boat rides were just beautiful both days. The first day, um, w- we we chose, you can pick one of three routes and we chose the route where you got off the boat a lot of the yeah, temples. Yeah, it was a
0: longer route. You could get off and explore a little bit, some of the temples, as opposed to just taking the boat ride through a couple of caves. So that was really cool. And uh,
1: and the only thing you had, had to remember things... is, and we didn't really think about this beforehand, is you had to know which boat number you were. Because yeah. we <laughs> luckily, as we were getting off to go on our very first little tromp into the temple... We heard someone say, what was our boat number? Number 16. And we're like, oh, that's a good idea because yeah. there must have been 30 boats lined up there. And I don't know about you, but I had no idea what our driver looked like.
0: Nope. Well, she was covered up to protect yeah. herself from the sun with the conical hat and everything. So you never really got a good look at her anyway. That's true.
1: But it, I'm sure she would have called us. If and we, we were on that on boat them. with
0: two other guys. And um, so it was also a little bit easier because we had struck up a conversation with them a little bit getting on the boat and a little bit on the boat. And then when we got off the first stop, so we knew them and we were able to kind of keep an eye on where they were going. And we found the boat. Okay. That time. Now, the second time we got off the boat, they dropped you off in one area and then you walk through the temple and you walk through the forest and across a bridge.
1: And then they picked you up up in another area
0: where there was cafes and stuff. And while we were there, our, our boat driver, had gotten off and probably gone to use the bathroom or get a drink or something. I don't know, but she didn't tie up the boat quite properly. And so I'm sitting there on the key and all of a sudden I see this chain kind of slipping into the water and this boat floating away. So I run down the steps and I grab the chain and I bring it back and I secured it. And of course there's 10 other boats there with their, with their, with their um, drivers in them. And they're just kind of watching the whole thing and chuckling and laughing. And as soon as I secured it to the shore, they all start clapping. It's kind of funny.
1: The hero of the day. Yeah. Anyway, so that was pretty cool. The only thing I remember about that too is you know it was so overtaxed as far as electricity that we went and yeah. we were like well, we're not really going to get anything to eat but we wanted to get a snack and, and i like to support the people that are out there you know that's right so we went and got an ice cream
0: it was half melted coming out of the it was already half
1: melted before we even started eating it i don't think it was so I we
0: i ate about two-thirds of it the other third just melted off
1: yeah i think so too
0: They did give you umbrellas at that one and they were nice big umbrellas to protect you from the sun, which was kind of cool. And then you'd come up to the first, like the first cave that we went through, you see the cave coming and you're like, oh, I better put my umbrella down. So you put your umbrella down and and tuck it away and then you get to the cave and you get dripped on all the way through the cave. So after that, you're like, hmm, can I keep my umbrella But you don't want to because it's it's a really low ceiling. so 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 low, Yeah.
1: Was there, And then on the Tom Cook boat ride, so we were kind of like, should we really go on a boat ride again? It's going to be, be pretty same. much the same. But it, like we said, it really wasn't the same. And one of the things that was really cool about this boat ride was that at one part they had a floating market. Oh, yeah. I, I felt that the it was they were a little pushy, pushier than I like. But
0: Well, it was a floating market for the boat rides. Exactly. It wasn't like a village floating market that other people were going to come to.
1: But it was still neat.
0: But it was still pretty cool.
1: But the one thing that was, I thought, very interesting too, and I don't know if they always have this, but the day we were there, they had these three ladies, Justin and I, singing on the side of the river. Yeah. And it just sort of echoed on down the river. It sounded so beautiful.
0: It was really cool. It was it just would, a really it kind neat kind of echoed through the tunnels, through the caves as you went through them. Uh, and that was the area where we were going through a lot more of the rice fields. So we did see a lot more activity Harvesting and in stuff, the fields yeah. themselves.
1: It's just, it surprises us at how much different it was, for sure. Um, afterwards, um, the first day after we went to Trangon, we went up and climbed the mountain. And the mountain is Muahua, where they have some caves and stuff. And it's called Lion Dragon Mountain. And so here's the thing about it. It was like 560 steps or something. That's a lot of steps. Which is really hot and, and cranky-inducing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what it did do and why it was worth it was you looked out over the Trongan landscape Mm -hmm. and you saw these, you know, these rice fields and the beautiful river. And of course we went purposefully during sunset so that we could get a beautiful sky and everything. And I I gotta say it was magical. Now, my hair was a mess. I was sweating profusely. The pictures of us are kinda really you showed that to people. But (laughs) Um, but the actual experience was pretty impressive. the The other thing is, there was a main sort of what do you call it, like, like observation platform where a lot of people were. There were people everywhere, but there was a lot of people on this observation platform. They were scaring the you know what out of me, I mean, of course. They were climbing up on the thing. Oh. We we must be fifteen hundred feet up in the air over the
0: pretty much sheer cliffs to the rice fields below.
1: And they're just everywhere. I'm like, I'm going to see someone die tonight. I just know I am, Yeah, but But nobody did. Nobody did. Thankfully, knock on wood.
0: And yeah. Well, of course, sunset is a great time to be there. Another good reason why you want to do it late afternoon is because during that time, the stairs are in the shade. I couldn't imagine doing that in the morning. Yeah. With with the the sun sun beating on you. Oof. No, thank you. Uh, But that area also had really gorgeous, humongous, sprawling lotus flower fields. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool with little wooden walkways that went around out into them and and around.
1: That was really pretty. Right in the same area. Um, Anyway, it's a great place to go. Maybe one of my favorite parts of the trip. And there was lots of good parts. Vietnam is an amazing destination. Um, But this is where. You definitely want to try my favorite Vietnamese coffee, and that's an iced coconut coffee. Mm. And I got to tell you, I learned about coconut coffee in Ho Chi Minh, and I I had been drinking it pretty much all over the country. So I tried a lot of coconut (laughs) coffee. (laughs) But it's just like this frozen sort of frappuccino-y kind of um, texture. And it's, you know, it's got the ice and it's got the whipped cream and it's got the coconut flavor and it's just so refreshing you can sweat all you want and it just makes you feel so good in fact i probably got brain freeze numerous times <laughs> from them because i just want to suck it right down but it's so so good so um but after climbing that mountain after riding those boats i, I think on that trip alone i probably had about four or
0: five coconut coffees that's a good way to go and my, my favorite coconut coffees are the one that they bring you it usually comes in a tall glass with and it'll have like a coconut slushy inside which is really good by itself but then there's also a shot of coffee and you just kind of drizzle the coffee into it and just let it kind of swirl its way in mm-hmm. that is so good so
1: good. it's so satisfying it visually really and taste the taste of it it really is so one of the things on this trip that really defined our our Vietnam- vietnamese trip the last time around was caves everywhere you go there's caves, caves, and more caves. But and because of that, this next World Heritage Site almost didn't make our itinerary. Yeah. It was a pain in the tail to get to. And what is it? It's a place to go it's see for caves. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I'm so glad that we did not take it off our itinerary. It was amazing. It's called the Fungna National Park. And it's home to lots and lots of caves. I mean, I don't even know how many, 20, I think they told us or something like that. And The largest ones
0: in Southeast Asia too. And they're probably actually all interconnected somehow if you delved through them deep enough and, and found your way around.
1: It does include the largest cave in the world, which is the Song Dong Cave, which we did not go to because, basically, it's so far out there that you had to spend, I think, three days total just to do that one cave, and that yeah. was just a little bit much for my itinerary. It's like an
0: overnight. Well, it's a day long trek. Spend the night in the jungle and then trek to the cave. Go through the cave and then reverse the process coming back. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, a bit much for us.
1: For, well, and and like I said, we went to lots of caves. So, did I need to see the actual largest one? Mm. I, I was okay not seeing it. I did go to the national park, and we did go to a couple of caves while we were there. So, I feel like we did our due diligence.
0: And they were incredible.
1: And they were they were incredible. And there is no. And no I used to think
0: it. that you know
1: one cave is just like any just other. cave. Just like game. waterfalls,
0: yeah. When you look at them, they're all a little bit different, but basically they're the same thing. Caverns are the same way. Yeah, stalagmites, stalactites, they're all gonna have them. But I gotta tell you, the caverns we went to in Vietnam, I think were more spectacular than almost all the other caves I've ever been to.
1: Yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, um, so here this cave system is right in the middle, of course, of a tropical forest and you know it's hot so one of the things that's nice about going caving is caves are never too hot that's right <laughs> so you get to cool down it's part of the anamite mountain range in the quang bin province and if it sounds like it's hard to get to it's because it is yeah uh, i think we spent more time trying to figure out how to get here how much time to spend here and how to get out of here Than we did for the rest of the trip
0: for anything else. Yeah. It was just
1: like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. And in the
0: end, I think I I wouldn't say we really, that we gave up, but it turned out to be the easiest way to do it without spending too much money. um, Was just to let the home stay where we booked, send a taxi to pick us up at the train station uh, and then bring us back when we were done.
1: So we flew in. Yeah. So it's in the middle of nowhere. So you could take a train there both ways no problem but you're going to spend a lot of hours on that train and, th- and that just sounded like too much for us so we decided to fly one direction and take the train to denang on the way. way out because we weren't going quite as far and that worked out i mean the, the inner flights on vietnam air are not that much so They're it wasn't cheap. too too bad
0: They're, they tend to go pretty often uh, at least daily, if not several times a day, even to Dong Hoi, which is where we flew to.
1: Which is where? Which is not big? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, Central, Central middle of nowhere, but Central it's an Vietnam, airport
0: near the coast. And, and we did go to a the cafe to the there. Yeah, and from there you head to the mountains.
1: That's it. Um, but this whole park has like 104 kilometers of caves and underground rivers, and it was is just one of the most amazing. Places I've ever been. Um, so it was well worth the truck to get there and the truck to get out of there. We stayed at, as Jim said, at the Fong Now Homestay, which was run by an Australian, and it was quite the sanctuary. It was. it was beautiful. The rooms were nice. The outdoor area where the restaurant and the pools are were very comfortable.
0: The pool was shaded, which is critical.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, and you don't see that. It may be critical, but it doesn't happen. Um, and they also provided all kinds of tours and things right through them.
0: That's true. They did.
1: So that made it a little bit easier to do some of the stuff. For example, um, the first day we did it on our own and it turned out to be kind of a little bit of a, a boondoggle to say the least. We got to where we were going. But then we couldn't get to the second place. That's where we were turned down. So we ended up going someplace we didn't even plan on going. And then luckily that person said, yes, I can take you back. And he charged us like any card would. And then we went back and it, it didn't turn out bad. It was one of those travel days that it was just a little bit harder maybe than it needed to be because we didn't know what the heck we were doing.
0: Well, and this is a very remote area. So... Your grab app really wasn't doing anything. Exactly. There no taxes. In fact, we ended up sharing our grab with one of the other women that was staying oh, yeah. solo. I forgot
1: about that at part. At the homestay. It was even worse. Uh,
0: who, after our boat ride and everything, had gone off into the town to find her way around, and she was going to find her way back. But she couldn't because there was no transportation. Nope. So, so she, she ended ends up with going us with us again.
1: again. And then we end up leaving her. Oh, it was just—I mean, it was a boondoggle. It really was just so weird.
0: That that was definitely like we've we've been saying: grab works great in Vietnam until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. And when you're in a remote area like that, that's when it starts to fail you. Exactly. So having the homestay offer all of these different things was actually really nice. And while uh, a lot of times we're kind of reticent to just jump on board and and do whatever tours our hotel is offering and, and do it that way. We, try we to like do to it do ourselves. things
1: independently work headstrong that way.
0: Yeah. When you tend to have more opportunity, well, you always have more opportunity for uh, a little spontaneity, which is always nice. But in this case, yeah, it worked out. So, um, so that first day we decided we we're going to go into Phong not caves and it's a boat ride into the caves. Now we had done the trung on and the Tom Coke caves. So I'm thinking, it's going to be something really similar. We're going to take this boat into this low-lying cave where you don't really see you anything. go in and
1: out of the caves. You go
0: through it like a tunnel. whoop de doo But no, we get to the place where the boats start, and it's a good couple of kilometers away from the cave. I mean, you don't have any clue where the cave is from that point. No. We go to buy tickets, and this um, is where the fun starts. Yeah. Because we don't speak a lot of Vietnamese and the woman selling the tickets actually didn't speak a whole lot of English. So we're looking at the signs and we're trying to figure out the prices and we can't really figure out. So,
1: well, we figured it out. We knew it was going to cost, I forget the amount of money for the whole boat for the boat, but there's nobody around us. Nobody, nobody is around us. And we're like, Okay, so now I can understand. I had read that you were supposed to try and get people to share the boat with, which would have been a good idea to go with the tour at this point, because we're like, we're all by ourselves. We're going to, you know, we're going to have to pay this exorbitant price, which, of course, is not really not really exorbitant, but it is if you are used to being in Vietnam. And so we were like, okay, we'll just wait around a little bit until some people come. And then there was an Indian family that came and then there was this woman. Yeah.
0: And they were trying to do the same thing. They're like, Ooh, we need more people. This is not going to work. So they really wanted to hang out and wait for more people.
1: Even more than we were willing to wait for.
0: There's now, I think there was like, we end up with seven, seven of us. And the boat holds like 12, 12. Right. So, and they
1: wanted to wait for 12. So they wanted
0: to wait for 12 and to like, maximize nah. it or minimize it, I guess. We're like, you know what? I mean, we could have paid for the boat for ourselves. It wasn't exorbitant. It's really cheap. So we finally talked them into saying, you know, there's seven of us. That's pretty good. Let's and there was just nobody go.
1: coming. There was nobody coming. Yeah.
0: And so we did it and we climbed aboard. We figured out how much each person had to pay. I think we bought the boat and then they paid they us. Pay us yeah. And then we get on the boat and they, of course, give you the life jacket, which you're supposed to wear out of port, but as soon as you're out of port, they don't really care what you do. And, uh, you go shooting up this river on this, is it a dragon boat? I mean, it's, I don't know. it's a long tail boat, boat yeah. making all kinds of noise, not serene at all. And then you get to the cave and it's this massive opening on the side of a mountain that goes straight up. And it's like, Oh, this is not going to be like Tamcoke, or one of the other places
1: so we we went into the cave for quite a ways yeah and then we turned around even and we were starting out and then they stopped the boat and say tell us to get out we're like uh, uh, okay uh, okay and we're still in the cave so this is not like anything we've done this is definitely something new so we get out and you kind of climb out and then you go on this whole path through this cave walking after you've just gone on the boat throughout a little bit a different part and that was amazing and, and i think we stunning
0: structures it was
1: just gorgeous we loved it it was fun to walk around it's a little confusing here and there trying to figure out where the path went but, it, yeah. but overall it was pretty easy and then you came out and of course there were more cafes and stuff and um you could get a drink or whatever then you get back in the boat and they drop you off at the start, which is where we couldn't find we could not get it. Remember, we could not get a ride. It was just a pain. So like I said, we kind of wish we had taken the next day we did go with the with the motorbike tour that the hotel offered because we weren't going to do that two days in a row.
0: And that worked really good. And we just sat on the backs of the motorbikes, the two of us. We zipped off through the national park. We stopped a couple of places. They brought us to Paradise Cave, uh, which is a gorgeous cave. And maybe our favorite out of Probably all my the favorite. caves that we
1: did. And we did a heck of a lot of them. Yeah.
0: It had the most stunning geological structures. Uh, stalagmites, of course.
1: Here's what I remember about it, though. They drop us off and they're kind of not the main part of the parking lot. Like the motorbikes are have their own little hut. Oh, yeah. So they go take us to the motorbike hut and we have to get to the main part. We go buy our tickets and we think, okay, you know, it'll be a little walk. Well, I think it was a couple of kilometers It was of a walk. And then you get to the base of this mountain and then you start winding, you had two choices. You could go upstairs or you could go winding up the mountain. So we wound up the mountain. and We came down the stairs on yep, the way back. Yep. And we wound up the mountain and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this is hiking up the mountain. We did lots of that in Vietnam, too. We sure did. And then we get there. We're sweating. We're tired. And you just walk by the entrance of the cave in that beautiful, cool Blasting cool air. Oh, so wonderful. I just want to stand there for an hour. But then you get in the cave and guess what you have to do?
0: Yeah. Climb down. Down,
1: down, 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 All these wooden steps. And then you walk through the cave. And I think we were in the cave a good hour and a half. Yeah. And there's, you know, all these different little, it, it's one main path. It's easy to navigate.
0: Go down it and come back it.
1: But there's like little offshoots, like cul-de-sacs, I guess, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, off the thing. And and there were really cool things to see. And there was a lot of people, but we were with some of the earliest. We had started out really early. So the cave was not that, vis- no. that busy when we got there.
0: And we got there just ahead of. There were several tours tours, that were dealing with their tickets as I got up and got my individual tickets. Uh, And then because there are tours, we took the buggy. Remember, we took the electric buggy um, so we didn't have to do the walking because we're like, we know we're going to be doing a lot of walking today. Let's just take the buggy. It's only another 25 cents or whatever. So you do it. And then all those tours had to wait and organize at the buggies. Yeah. So we got up to the caverns and we didn't have it to ourselves, but there are very few people in there when we walked all the way out to the end. Then as we are coming back, those tours were I would there. say
1: about two thirds of the way out. Once we hit like almost to the end, the last third, last half, whatever, then we hit like
0: they were hordes off. of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking motor coach tours. So yeah.
1: Um so anyway, Nha itself is like this sleepy little town. And there are Some restaurants and there are some coffee places, especially along the river. That's probably the most popular thing to do along the river is have a few coffees and stuff. And so that's where we suggest that you go and you can either have a good lunch out there, but at least go and have a yogurt coffee. Oh, yeah. Because the yogurt coffee, it's got like a little bit of a tangier taste than just having the,
0: the condensed, um, milk.
1: condensed milk in it. And a lot of times they'll put yogurt and like a fruit Ooh, banana
0: coffee. Yeah.
1: It's so good.
0: Sounds so wrong.
1: Yeah. It's all different kinds of fruit, actually. Um, even jackfruit. So really cool stuff. Anyway, so we would suggest that you try the yogurt coffee there. You can get yogurt coffee, though, all over the country. And it is definitely something to try. It doesn't sound like it's going to be good. But like many things in Vietnam, it will surprise you. So we're down to our last two World Heritage sites.
0: And these are in the north. Uh, So Hanoi is the base for this. And in fact, one of them is right in Hanoi. And it's the central sector of the imperial city of Thang Long in Hanoi. Um, This was built in the 11th century by the Via des Li dynasty. And it marked the independence of the Dai Viet. And there's actually a, a lot of... Uh, history in Hanoi that uh, in the museums that you can uh, go and explore and find out a really good sense of the history of Vietnam in that time frame.
1: We really enjoyed the National History Museum there, and it did have a, a nice, good path,
0: and it was easy to follow. I liked it. So the Imperial City was built on the remains of a Chinese citadel that had dated back to the 7th century. So this is old stuff. And there's not a whole lot there,
1: It was For us, I think we were actually a tad bit disappointed in it. Yeah,
0: because we'd been to Way Way and so many other sites. Um, But what is there, I found still to be pretty interesting.
1: It was funny. I was thinking to myself, it's not my favorite thing. And then I started thinking of all the things that we did there. And I'm like, oh, wow, it was pretty cool after all. So go.
0: Yeah. I mean, was it beautiful? Yes. Was it picturesque? Of course. Um, But yeah, it paled, I think, a little bit in comparison to the Imperial city in way. Yeah. Um, but what I really thought was interesting about it was that they had, they had been using this area for centuries and all the way up until present day during the, um, American war or the Vietnam war, however you want to look at it. Uh, this was a command post Yeah, and so you could still go through the command post and it was, it was set up, preserved, kind of what it looked like during the war.
1: And there was a bunker. There was
0: a bunker that you go in. And they had displays showing how um, people survived during the bombings uh, and that kind of stuff. I think so that was some, my umbrella there. There were
1: some... You lost your umbrella there? Climbing in
0: and out of one of the <laughs> little bunkers.
1: So there were some good exhibits there and just some weird stuff. Like one of the things that we... Notice is they had a whole garden or orchard of um, durian trees. Yeah. Which, if you know anything about durian, it's called the stinky fruit. And I've just never seen durian trees that many of them there were so many of them they were all flat they were all fruiting it was pretty cool Mm -hmm. um so it was pretty nice it was beautiful it was again it was good photos it was quiet there were not nearly as many people there as there were in other Mm -hmm. parts of the city um so that was kind of nice a little bit of a respite from i mean there wasn't hardly anybody there i think
0: everybody was at the temple of literature yeah (laughs) which was was
1: crowded literature which
0: is pretty cool there's a
1: lot of really good things to do it was nice and it's a
0: big sprawling grounds um so a lot to explore it was pretty cool
1: The whole city of Hanoi is really cool. And we've already done a first-timers guide on it as one of our Mm -hmm. podcasts. And of course, you know, we have uh, articles on our website about things to do in Hanoi. So there's lots to do, but the Citadel is a World Heritage Site, so you don't want to miss it.
0: So what coffee are you going to buy? Okay,
1: so there's no choice. There's no choice in Hanoi. It is the home of the ever-famous egg coffee, which was invented in the 1940s. And the reason they started using egg which is kind of funny because you would think was because they didn't have access to a lot of products. It was during a depression and they didn't have milk and things like this. So they, they didn't used,
0: have a lot of times they didn't have electricity for months at a time, so they couldn't keep their milk uh, without spoiling it. But, but they had eggs. had eggs. There's chickens everywhere. Ever, there's
1: chickens still to this day everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so we went to the place to Gian Coffee where it's the most famous. And I have to say it was definitely delicious. It was so good. And we really enjoyed going there. What cracked me about Jian Coffee, as famous as it is, I mean, it's so famous. Like, you can't look at Hanoi and not find Jian Coffee. Someone's like, talking about Jian Coffee. You have Jiang to Jiang go coffee. there. Um, so we did. And you want to have an egg coffee. So we did. But it's on these little tiny stools, a little, it's so traditional because being from Ho Chi Minh, we had. We were used to... We
0: were kind of spoiled with we the cafes spoiled. there. They did have, of course, the little sidewalk cafes where you're sitting on...
1: And we used them occasionally. You're
0: sitting on plastic stools and you're sitting in the shade and sweating and hot, and but still enjoying your cold coffee. But they had a lot more of the air-conditioned cafes overlooking the street, some kind of theme to them. Yeah, so they're pretty cool.
1: Now, Hanoi is in the north and it does get cold there. And actually... The egg coffee is the one coffee. I mean, they have hot coffees, but this is the one coffee that's really designed to be yeah. drinking hot. And in fact, they'll serve it with a little bowl of hot water underneath it to keep it
0: hot. To keep the cup hot,
1: yeah. So it's really good. And it's basically beaten egg. And we loved it so much that we went to this one coffee, cafe called the Hanoi Coffee Station. Mm-hmm. And they were offering uh, lessons lessons for egg coffees. So my sister and I decided to take one. And that was a lot of fun. A lot. I so really of the- enjoyed it.
0: Handheld beater whipping action going on for in that lesson because that's really what it's about is that's, whipping the egg.
1: You beat, you whip the egg, and then they tell you, "Oh, a little bit more, a little oh, bit more, a little bit more." Keep going. Anyway, but it was a lot of fun and it's delicious. Okay, and our very that brings us to our very last uh, world heritage site. And apropos for us. It was the end of our trip to Vietnam yeah. and we had been in Vietnam since October and here we are mid June. So what was that? Seven months or whatever altogether. And we knew we were going to go to Ha Long Bay and we wanted it to be kind of like our little last hurrah to say goodbye Sao to hara. Vietnam. And, and it was a good idea. And <laughs> it was really, it was really the way to do it. And I suggest that if you are going to Vietnam and you're going to build an itinerary, I would do that at the end, just because it's relaxing, it's luxurious, you're yeah. pampered a little bit, and there's just, you know, there's...
0: And of course, it's natural beauty beyond compare.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was just a good way to say goodbye to the country.
0: Yeah. So, ha long Bay... Probably there's nobody out there that doesn't, hasn't heard of it or know what it is, but it's like some, what, 1600 islands and islets with sp- that spectacular limestone just shooting up out of the ocean and caverns, of course, uh, just really
1: a little bays gorgeous and area
0: to go cruising around in your boat.
1: Like one of the places that, that we went to that we chose to go to is this little kayaking place and you... Basically you get into another boat to go to the kayaking area where you get into another boat. But they take you and basically to a like a just a station, like almost like a taxi station in the middle right. of this whole huge bay. And that's where you get the kayaks. And then you have to go kind of through this little natural arch and then there's a whole little bay in there that you're it's just so cool. And there's, there's so many different on the mountains. Yeah, there's and- monkeys. There's so many different um you know, limestone geological features. And it's just so pretty. The sunsets were gorgeous. The only thing that takes away from it a little bit is that there are, it's so popular that there's, I don't know, hundreds of ships. I don't there know how There a many. lot of ships out there. But pretty much everywhere you go, there's other people. That's the only maybe detriment. But again, we went during high season. And if you don't, maybe you have a little bit better time. I don't know.
0: You know, surprisingly, with all those ships out there where we all moored for the night, I was really expecting it to get pretty loud and like a party atmosphere that you'd hear from all the other boats, but that didn't happen. It was pretty quiet. It was, it was really nice. And even though there are boats on the water, if you looked out at night, you would see the lights from the boats and actually it was a little bit pretty, but they didn't take away from the starscape above. Um, There was no light pollution from the boats that was blocking out the stars. So that was really cool.
1: We really enjoyed it. And like I said, we did all kinds of things while we were out there. We went to the Pearls. We um, did some squid fishing, although that was kind of bust, but that's beside the point.
0: We Um, did take a a little excursion away from our main ship to uh, a little bay where there was only one or two other boats there. And we were able to swim in the pristine waters and you could swim to the shore and explore a little cave there. That was really cool.
1: Now the thing about the boat is, it's a cruise and it's kind of like you know the whole I've, we've got to feed a lot of people all one time. So I, I thought honestly that the food was only mediocre as far as Vietnamese food goes, and the same goes with with the coffee. I mean, yes, I could have as much coffee as I wanted, and they had all yeah. the different choices of coffees, but for me it wasn't quite as good as being on land. But when we got off our boat, waiting for our transport back to Hanoi, there were quite a few cafes there, and that's where. I would suggest you make sure you stop and enjoy a good coffee. And one of the ones that I like are the coffee smoothie, smoothies. Oh, yeah. And basically, again, it's kind of like a, you know, just a coffee shake with all kinds of different things in it, which are usually, you know, ice cream or in Vietnam, avocado everything is popular avocado ice cream, avocado coffees right um banana sapodilla which is a a kind of fruit and jackfruit and there's all kinds of them
0: i never saw durian coffee
1: i never saw durian coffee that doesn't mean that doesn't exist (laughs) we just either didn't see it or ignored it (laughs) Mm -hmm. at any rate it was a lot of fun and the world heritage sites are in in vietnam are really well worth going to they're done right they're taken care of there's for the most part, there's good um, infrastructure around it. Yes. You can get around. I think the hardest place we went to was definitely mm-hmm. Um, But like I said, if you know what we know, then you just go to a place and then you let the hotel handle everything for you. And, and then it probably isn't any any problem at all. Um, there was a lot of places that we went to in Vietnam that I thought should have been on the World Heritage right? List. I was surprised that Phan Supan wasn't on it. Was Banjook surpri-
0: Waterfalls. Banjook Waterfalls. And the Magic Eye Mountain or whatever it's called. Yeah, Exactly.
1: Really beautiful. Um, even like the Mekong River Delta and stuff is not on yeah. there, which just surprises me. Um, so there's lots of things that aren't on the World Heritage List, but they're things that you will want to do. So you'll want to check out our itinerary check out when our we blogs. do that post in that podcast um, but for now you know just enjoy a good coffee
0: thanks for listening to this episode of streets and eats if you liked what you heard please show us some love hit the like button and leave us a review maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts also we'd love it if you joined us on our facebook private group streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel ciao for now